Thank you all for tuning in. The following is a presentation of Bald Spots Productions. Be sure to like, comment, and share. You know, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you've got to do to kick that algorithm into gear and help us reach more people. Yes, it is I, your humble host, Bill Hatch the Third, coming to you live from the Palatial Home Studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Malden, Missouri. And joining us from across the oceans and, well, across the land, you, you can't drive there, but uh, uh, from far and far away at exotic Costa Rica is my guest for today, Richard Blank. How are you doing, Richard? I'm doing great, Bill. I'm so happy to see you. It's my fourth time on your show, and uh, I know. it keeps getting better every time. I just love coming back and sharing ideas <laughs> and my adventures. Yes, yes, for sure. You're you're all dressed up for today. Um, I'm uh, I'm impressed. I, I feel underdressed. <laughs> Don't worry about it, my man. I got a couple big big parties after this podcast, so I'm dressed and at the ready for the holidays. Nice, nice. You do uh, you do a big uh, big party, big shindig for the uh, for the employees there at the call center. You know, throughout the past 16 years, I've tried many different types of all-you-can-eat buffets and other types of restaurants and events. But <laughs> the thing where I've gotten the most people to come and stay the longest and enjoy the most is all-you-can-bowl. So I ran all down about four bowl. lanes. Yeah, I do it for about eight okay. hours so people can come at their leisure. They're not restricted to a certain time during, you know, during a Saturday. And so they come in and they have a bunch of beers, a bunch of burgers. First time bowlers, most of them, and uh, nice. they really enjoy themselves, and so it's it's a great bonding experience. Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've never uh, never had that as a uh, as a Christmas party for uh, for the uh, for the for the work when I've worked for other people. Um, that's uh, that's quite a unique sure. idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, um, it really feels like high school. We get more the corner of the of the lanes. <laughs> So once again, we're not the general public. And as I say, just with all the beers and, and a lot of the times people don't spend time with each other outside of the office, maybe a few clicks, but this is the first time that everybody gets to raise a glass and break bread together. And so it really is one of those times where, you know, they shed some skin and really uh, bond that much more. Yeah. Cool. That's, uh, that's awesome. Um Hey, yeah. I don't recognize the uh, um, the jukebox behind you. Is that new? Well, in my collection, yes, but she's a beautiful 1961 <laughs> Ricola Regis. Now, Bill, one nice. man's trash is another man's treasure. And I'm up to 15 pinball machines and six jukeboxes. Forget the air hockey table and other machines. These are the choice ones. And <laughs> Right. Know, people just have them in their bodegas or they forget about them, put boxes on top of them. And so you mm. and I are willing to drive five hours up into the mountains in the rainforest to save them <laughs> and restore them. And so, yes, my nice. good friend, she's here today. Very proud. Nice. Yeah, she's a beautiful machine. And uh, uh, what's, uh, what's the first song you put on, uh, you put on the ju a new jukebox? I have two different ways to do it first you put in the radio and mp3 players so you can do whatever you want to do but okay. when i would get the machines built you get they're they're full of records and i'm thinking in excess led zeppelin anything you know mm -hmm. these are usually artists from the 
50s, 60s, and 70s from Central America and Latin America. Okay. I've never heard of any of them. And so for <laughs> the locals, they're gems for me and you, we pass over them. And so I had to put my own collection in there. I buy stuff off of eBay or even down here, there's some old vinyl shops where I can find some really nice, nice 45s of certain rock bands that I like. And uh, but maybe the first album I put in there, of course, it's in excess. I had a 45 of Suicide Blonde, so that was the first one okay. that I played in there. But, uh, nice. you know, I, I fill it with what I can get. Uh, but it really <laughs> does have a nice sound. I mean, I understand yeah. people's love for vinyl with the needle and the speakers. But then again, when you start doing the radio MP3 and Bluetooth, then you have millions of songs, <laughs> you know, and it's the top quality. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want with it. And so... Everybody to anybody can play DJ whenever they want. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I finally went and uh, bought myself a little uh, a little record player. It does. Uh, it also does MP3s and CDs. But uh, um, but yeah, I, I saw it at the cool. at the store. It was on sale. I'm like, okay, I got to get back into vinyl because I've got some. I've got a small, very small collection of vinyl. And but uh, uh, but I, I got to go out and get some more because yeah it's there there's nothing like well, Bill, the sound what's your of, most uh, valuable piece. Oh goodness! What, what, what um, would you say is your most valuable vinyl that you have, or the one we know the most? Wow. Um, gosh, I don't know if any of them really uh, really have value outside of uh, outside of myself, but uh, um, I've got a I've got an old uh, original uh, um, uh, Chicago album. Um, Oh shoot! What? That's cool. I'm trying to remember which album it is. Ah, yeah, put me on the spot. But the sleeves are nice. <laughs> the artwork. Yeah, yeah. The artwork is me, uh, is what it's most really people everything. are looking you for. Exactly. So it's it's something you can touch and hold, and and that's cool, man. And there's a lot of fans out there, including myself, that like Chicago. So. Uh, very yeah. cool. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I need to get some, uh, some Zeppelin in, uh, in there and, and, uh, um, you know, some old queen, um, love the, love the stuff from the, uh, from the seventies and eighties and, uh, um, just, uh, just nothing today quite like that music. I think they're under pressure to produce. Yeah. Back in the day, it was still sort of new, kind of like rock and roll was created out of, as they say, jazz and the blues back in the day. But where was that created from? Right. And so um, it's okay that it's commercial and, and I applaud their success. Yeah, I no, absolutely. It can hold over time. Yeah. Seems like uh, seems like there's a, a, a severe lack of originality, of, of newness to it. It's it feels the same as yesterday, you know. But uh, but I mean, there's some there's some good uh, some good people out there doing uh, doing some good music. Um, I uh, what I, I try to, to do a, if the beat sounds the same. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say I know uh, I know a few musicians through uh, my uh, networking group M and O um, that. Uh, um, that uh, who are trying to uh, well some some of them are uh, um, are uh, are tribute uh, artists but uh, um, but there are de there are definitely a few who are doing some new and original stuff. Um, uh, one of the one of the guys I know um, his main the main way he may earns a living is as a, uh, a Freddie Mercury impersonator as the head of a uh, Queen really? tribute band. 
Yeah, but uh, uh, but he does his original work is uh, what he refers to as um, rock opera, and uh, he combines English with Arabic language uh, uh, work, and uh, uh, and it has this this. I mean, it's definitely rock and roll, but it has this operatic quality to it, and uh, it, it's definitely very original. And uh, um, and yeah, if, uh, yeah. If you ever have a chance to look up uh, Aladdin, um, A L L E A D. No wait, one L, one L, two Ds. A L A. And let's see. Ah, now I'm gonna have to look that up. Emo's gonna kill me. <laughs> Got my pad at the ready. <laughs> yep, yep. Let's see here. Um, ah, that's good. A E D D I N. I admire the songwriter, and sometimes yes. that lyric can be adapted into other types, unlike the music that sometimes can't be adjusted. And so, it might not be the perfect fit, or it just it might not be where it needs to be. It's almost like remember when Joe Cocker sang mm -hmm. "Help from My Friends" at Woodstock? I believe that John Lennon said that you know that song's kind of his now. I mean, there are certain people that can, as you say cover it and take it to a certain place where maybe it needed to be originally or most people understood it the yeah. best yeah and yeah. um so lyrics are so important it's almost interesting to oh, read yeah. the lyrics before you've been listening to the music and i yeah. find that quite interesting and my communication studies in college they really wanted you to see things three different ways without sight without sound and then comboing it and it's just there's different perspectives in regards to which order that you put it into. And I always yeah. tried to look at things as an arbitrary, in a neutral way, just to see how every single person could understand it. And that, that's where I think I got the most experiences out of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always found it interesting that most musicians seem to put their make their music first, and then the lyrics come from that. Um, you know, where it's like, in, in my mind, it makes more logical sense to write the lyrics first and then make music to fit it. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's all where your, where your mentality comes from on, uh, on things. Oh, I found it. Emo Aladdin, A-L-A-E-D-D-I-N. Rock on. Well, that's yeah. cool. They got a good plug today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep always always but uh um, but yeah it's a it's a very unique uh very unique sound but uh um yeah it's funny when i met him he was selling cars and uh um and fooling around with the music and now uh now the music is number one and uh um and he decided to, to go all out you know just dive head first and he's making a go of it but uh um yeah, yeah well, um, there's really nothing better than a luxury trade. <laughs> I know that they say it's cliche-ish to love what you do. If you love your work, it's not work, it's play. But yeah, come on, let's mm. be realistic. Yeah. If, um, <laughs> you lighten the load a little bit or you can whistle while you work, mm -hmm. then, then it really is satisfying. And you have to admire someone that has the vigor to go for it. Yeah. A lot of people feel trapped these days, Bill. Yeah. And they have responsibilities, yeah. and I respect that sort of, you know, obligation and commitment. But then again, it, it, they become fading flowers. Their their heart gets sour. 
because yeah. it's almost like the kid that's punished and looks out the window of the others that are playing. He, you feel like you're not really enjoying your life or you For create sure. your greatest potential. And yeah. so when you tell stories of these champions that have made it through this game of life and figured it out, it's, it's inspiring for the rest of us. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, well, shoot, your, your story's uh, pretty inspiring too. I mean, you gave up everything that was familiar to move to another country and, uh, and create, create this business that, uh, um, that, that matches, you know, some of the, some of the huge, you know, call centers in, in the rest of the world that, uh, um, that really, uh, in some ways exceeds their expectation, you know, you know, the other, uh, the other groups. I mean, I, I've, I've called call centers before and, you know, a lot of them in the Philippines and, and Asia and, uh, and all, but, uh, but yours is, uh, Yours is unique in uh, in the way you've uh, you've crafted it. Um, you know, people uh, the people you have there are familiar with the language. They, it's not a barrier for them. And uh, um, and all. What was what was that like to to leave all that you knew and uh, and go and start a new life in uh, in Costa Rica? It's quite exciting because it was happening in my late twenties. So I was capable to handle it in a certain mature way. But prior to that, I majored in Spanish in college. Mm -hmm. so I was prepared for the second language. I lived abroad my junior year. So I was familiar with being an expat. And I had okay. the support and the love of my family and friends. So that, you know, was a lot of go-go juice. But I also <laughs> knew somebody here. So I just okay. wasn't backpacking it and trying to paint shells on a beach to earn a living. I started off working at my friend's center. It wasn't sea level, so I didn't see contracts and the finances, but that's the greatest thing. It's almost being a camper instead of a counselor. I got a chance <laughs> to really enjoy and, so re and earn a living nice. here. And I fell in love and married the girl of my dreams. But you know what it is, my friend, when you're sitting in that row and you're rowing along with the people and you look left and right, you realize that your blood, sweat, and tears are with them. You get it. And so if you ever get the chance to be elevated and have leverage and run a company, you can relate at that level. You can talk about that rainy Wednesday or that FU hang up or that time you just didn't want to get out of bed. And so for me, it was very easy for me to start my business, not because of being a financial wizard or IT expert. I learned the empathy side. I learned what took people so they don't break or quit and sometimes show fidelity and stay there. I took it to a little bit more of an extreme with my game room. And I also <laughs> took it to the extreme by knowing them, their names and breaking bread and, and training with them. A lot of CEOs decide not to walk the roads or they just see people as numbers. And I'm fortunately capable of handling my 150. It's not like 15,000 people. You can't expect to know every name there, but with my group of strong warriors, of course I know them. I know them well. And that's one of the things where if I'm walking down the street, it's a pleasure to meet people and their families and be introduced in a nice way. And so it's almost like paying it forward, Bill. I mean, you can chase the money and that's great. And there's other sort of goals you can make for yourself. But for me, it was always about the positive reinforcement. I always 
thought that the market speaks. If nobody shows up, you have no friends. And so as much as I want to beg, borrow, steal, or whatever it took to get these people to come to the office, which I wouldn't do, I had to do it the old school way. I had to earn it because they have options. They could work at Amazon the next day or anywhere else. And so I had to be a straight shooter. I had to give them accounts that were ethical and moral and things they could go home and tell their parents about. And, you know, you're better off turning down business that you shouldn't have. I'm more proud of you for that than accepting it. And so we were very selective. And, and those are the sort of things that weather storms and makes your ship seaworthy because you have a reputation and you also realize you're a guest here. And to answer your question in a supreme pizza sort of way, <laughs> these are the sort of good faith, intentional things that I did here in order to not get in trouble, to get the people to accept me, to understand the culture and to find ways to thrive. And anybody can do that if they want to. They just need to keep an open mind and, and really not have any expectations. They should just be very open to experience. Now, you can be offended sometimes and it tests your patience with potholes in the road and long lines at banks and stores and stuff. But listen, that's the price you pay. And if you're willing to offset certain comforts that you had back home, you're willing to replace that with the sort of serenity, peace, and, and life experience, then fill your plate up as high as you want with life. And my good friend, there's nothing that was going to bother me. I live in paradise right now. I have more patience than, than an hourglass. And so I loved this transition. I had one last shot at it. To live some life and leave castles and slay dragons. If not, then I would have been working in a family business in the United States and doing well. But I don't know, Bill, if I would be on your podcast telling these amazing tales and having this huge smile. I'd just be some nope. cat that's just slugging away and making some cash and living life. And it's not really <laughs> what I wanted to do. No, no, of course not. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing where life can take you. I've, uh, I was in Southern California the last time we spoke, and now I'm living in southeastern Missouri. Where uh, where it is currently nice. fifty seven degrees. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh not, man, uh, not the, hey, not the greatest. Ski it all this year? No, you guys no, get snow not. up there. Um, no, we don't get snow where I'm. Well, we get like a little tiny bit of snow where uh, where I'm at, but uh, um, but uh, yeah, we're not really in the snowy part of the state. But uh, um, you know, maybe gotcha. uh, maybe build a snowman this year, but. Uh, <laughs> but not much more than that. But uh, um, but yeah, it's, and they used uh, to call off school for us back in the day. We yeah. used to get a lot of snow days in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet. Don't get too many in Costa Rica, though. <laughs> we do not, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, you know, at least you got the you got beautiful weather down there, and uh, and like you said, you're living in paradise. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's, tell you uh, what, it's... I replaced snow with earthquakes. I've definitely <laughs> felt a few earthquakes since I've been here. I've slept through oh, a yeah? few, but there are some that even at the, we have it recorded on our cameras at the call center. You see the building shaking, people running outside. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> um, am I used to it? Yes. Do I take it serious? Yes. 
It's not oh, the yeah. kind of thing where, well, maybe it's not going to happen today. Every time I feel the shake, I, there, you need to have discipline and you need to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And so my entire call center, instead of having chaos, it's almost like in school and they taught you the fire drills. This is not game time. I do have insurance here, but also I don't want the building to collapse on people, even though right. it's a pretty solid structure. Regardless of nothing, when things like that happen, people have the right, the legal right and the ethical right, moral right to get up from their desks and get out that building to protect themselves. And so yeah. um, I haven't seen chaos. I've seen a couple of people cry because they get emotional and you got to calm huh. down Billy in the corner. <laughs> but, you know, for the most <laughs> part, people um, have calm and cool heads during chaos. And I like that about people when, when things like that happen. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, every now and again, I think I feel something. Um, but uh, the uh, the local uh, the local earthquake fault here is the New Madrid fault, which only goes off about every 150, 200 years. So uh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm not too worried about getting earthquakes. But uh, um, yeah, but we have uh, yeah. uh, we have been warned that uh, that we have a couple of tornado seasons and uh, that uh, that worries yeah. me a little bit. But because uh, um, we don't have a basement, so. But <laughs> I was going to. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, there's always something that uh, that an area has that uh, that isn't perfect, but uh, you learn to live with it. You know, you, you uh, prepare as best you can and uh, and move on. You know, but uh, um, of course. But yeah. Um, Oh, let's see. What are some what are some good things we could talk about since it's just the two of us? Um, let's see. Um, any new uh, any new pinball machines? You you got the new jukebox? How about Great the pinball point. machines? Actually, I got two brand new treasures: a nice. 1970 Bally's Camelot and a okay. 1971 Bally's Expressway. Nice. Mm. How do I explain them to you? Well, yes. the Expressway is interesting. It's really only a one-player game. So that's nice. Okay. And both of the games have the wheels, but they keep their score. The sounds are just bells and chimes off of the xylophone that they have. <laughs> Simple scoring, and both of the play fields are painted wood compared to the laminates and stickers from the later games. Okay. The side art is incredible. The marquees are original and in excellent condition. Right. And for me, it's a slower play because of the incline of the table compared to some of the newer games. It's a very open play field. So, I mean, you can really hit your shots and it bounces around. And it's just, it's wonderful that I have them. I'm more than appreciative. I try to play them every day and I see that the agents are gravitating towards those machines more than just my ultimate fighting machines that I own. They know this is a special experience that's different than virtual pinball. And um, why so much? Why my purest of pure passion? They were expensive growing up. I mean, I could play a Pac-Man and Asteroids for a half an hour on a quarter. You were some, come on, you were a great centipede game, right? I mean, what was your top game back in the day that you could play in the arcade? Oh, back in the game, I liked Tempest. I liked Tempest. Uh, hmm. Yeah, a wonderful Atari ve vector game. And what else could you play? Mm -hmm. Oh man, uh, did Asteroids, Centipede, you know, and uh, um, oh, what all? 
were uh, were some of the other ones. Um, did a lot of uh, did a lot of the shooting games, the the ones with the with the with the actual uh, where you'd have the light gun and uh, um, sure, you know, and go go shooting at the at the uh, the various characters. Um, always uh, always enjoyed uh, that. Um, but, uh, um, but you're talking asteroids and centipede. Yeah, and, asteroids and centipede. Uh, an above average player can run a 20 minute game on those, and so. Yeah. Pinball. If you don't know that machine, that twenty-five or fifty cents could go within a minute. <laughs> right. And so, I kind of saw these pinball machines when I was a kid with just five bucks. That was like a, a, a senior cheerleader. I was just <laughs> out of my league. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. And so, um, I needed to work with games that could last the afternoon, as you were mentioning, your centipedes and asteroids and Paperboy and all those yeah. good things. Oh, um, man, I remember Paperboy. But <laughs> but it's almost like when you're an adult and you have money to go to a candy store, you overindulge as an adult mm. with discretionary income. And since I had this space, since I knew it was a good medium for the company, I knew that it was the perfect time for me to collect these machines because yeah. I just can't pack my house out with them. Even though I have right. a game room there, I just can't start bringing them in the house too. My wife would kill me. Um, and it made sense because a lot of the agents enjoyed them. So it was a very strong argument for me to continue buying. But um, you're looking at machines that are worth, and I'm not gonna, the most expensive machines I have, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's last action hero. It's a 94 machine, okay, from okay. Daddy East. And that thing's about $5,000. I got wow. a Doctor Who. NBA okay. fast break, Judge Dread. I mean, these are machines three to five thousand dollars depending on condition. I'm not even talking mm -hmm. import tax and transportation. Let's not even go there. Sure. I'm getting these machines for like four to five hundred dollars tops. Wow. Unless I buy in bulk. And then right. you just get in touch with certain companies like Marco Specialties, and they'll just look up the part for you and send it to you, which could be between 50 cents to a couple hundred dollars, depending if you need a screen. Nice. I have my electricians here that can read through these manuals. And even if they've never worked on a machine before, know how to connect the stuff and things are starting to work. And then all of a sudden, little by little, this thing starts glowing more, bumping more, sounding more and coming back to life. And I'm like, <laughs> this is great. And so for an investment of let's say 400 bucks and let's say another three, 400 bucks under a grand, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on a $5,000 machine, which right. I'm never going to sell, but <laughs> it's not right. the point. The point is <laughs> no. that I'm capable of restoring these things, getting the parts. If I ever need to sell them, I'll get my money back, but they're not going anywhere. They're with me now. And so, um, what a fun time. Good. And they it's free good play. Home. So anybody that comes to visit me, <laughs> play your brains out. Yep. Yep. They found a good home and, uh, and yeah, there, there's something special about uh, about restoring and or saving uh, old uh, old things. Um, you know, I've I've had a few uh, a few uh, older uh, older items like uh, like coins and and uh, um, and I, I have a collection of comic books. And uh, you know, being able to make Ooh. sure that they're that they're safe and uh, you know that uh, that that they're not going to get destroyed or thrown out by somebody, um, you know, just because they've gotten a little what, what more. What sort of comic books do you have? I have like, a what lot are your of old Spider ones, Like old Rich, um, Rich and Archies and things like I've that? Got some, I've got some of those. Dots? 
I've got some of those. Probably the oldest one I've got is a comic book I got from my mother that she had gotten when she was a little girl. Um, do you remember the movie Pollyanna, a Disney movie? Um, Sounds familiar. They, um, yeah, about a little girl whose parents had died, and she went to goes to live with her rich aunt. And uh, uh, but she's got this cheerful, di you know, completely cheerful, optimistic, uh, Pollyannish uh, <laughs> um, kind of outlook on life, and and uh, and her aunt's the complete opposite, and and the town is just down, and and uh, you know they're 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 it's a depressed kind of area, but she ends up changing the the way the town the town's outlook, and you know it's a Disney movie, so but. Uh, um, I've got a comic book adaptation of that movie. And, uh, um, you know, so it's from back in, uh, back in like, I want to say the 60s, 50s or 60s. So not super old, but, uh, but older than me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, you're going to laugh at my collection. Oh, yeah. I got my Archies and the Richie okay. Riches and all those spinoffs of that stuff. But I had a killer collection of Battlestar Galactica, the A-Team, okay. this thing called Nam back in the day, which I used to collect, mm -hmm. and like Conan the Barbarian. Okay. And these are the had like, you know, the back plastic and, and the things to protect them. Mm -hmm. Where's my collection now? I don't know. You know your mom always threw it out or gave it yeah. away. Yeah. Why? <laughs> but yeah, man, I used to collect that stuff in the 70s and 80s. I'm wow. glad you still have yours. You're very lucky. Yeah, yeah. I've got the the biggest section collect part of the collection would be Spider-Man. Um, I've always been a huge Spider-Man fan. Um, you know, since I was a little kid. I mean, the idea of, I mean, the way that they wrote him, you know, going through normal problems as well as superhero problems, and uh, I like that, and uh, and I like. The, and I like the Incredible Hulk because it wasn't just about you know it, it wasn't just about this brute. It was a, a psychological kind of uh, kind of a tale, which is why it's so hard to make a Hulk movie um, because nobody wants to see sit through two hours worth of uh, worth of psychoanalyst analysis. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got some Star Wars, some old Star Wars comics, and and uh, um, never got into the Conan the Barbarian ones, but uh, um, but yeah, it's uh, you know you gotta have you gotta have something that's fun, and uh, um, you know that uh, that you can uh, something you can save, and uh, you know and and you'll be able to share with people and. And uh, like you've done with your pinball machines, but uh, um, but yeah, Did you ever collect sports cards back in the day, like baseball cards and things. Like I've that? got some, um, not a not a huge collection, um, probably not as many as I've got comic books, but uh, um, but yeah, I've I've got some. Um, when uh, let's see, I was in San Diego when uh, the Padres went to the World Series against the uh, against the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, um, so, uh, uh, so that was a big influence on me as far as, uh, as far as sports go. And, uh, um, and now, now it's mostly football for me. Um, but, uh, um, football for you. you know, and, uh, I, I enjoy, uh, I got I the weirdest the collection. Yeah. We, we collected NHL cards. 
Okay. Probably from 1668 to about 1980. Wow. So I probably have about 500 of those cars of all those <laughs> old players without, without helmets, right? Missing okay. teeth. Mm -hmm. Goalies that didn't have masks back in the day. Yeah. Crazy. Nice. I mean, these guys were, these guys were real rough. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, my old Broad Street bullies, go Flyers. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah. Um, well, let's see. What the, well, we haven't done anything promoting, really promoting, uh, promoting you or, or, or your projects. Um, how can people find out about, uh, about Costa Rica's call center? We should always do that. We have a Oops. very large Facebook fan page, about 125,000 local Costa Rican Tico. So at least it will give your audience a grasp of the business nice. outsourcing services here in Central America. But yeah, Bill, you've always been so generous. And in regards to what I do, I just like to pay it forward. I, I share certain soft skill suggestions. Mm -hmm. If people are looking to make prospecting phone calls or retain clients that are calling in, and I can't stress enough positive escalations. I think if someone assists you in getting an appointment, you should mention it verbally and in writing. There are circles and pipelines that can be built. So when you call companies back, you separate yourself from others ethically and through marriage. Yes. And there are ways that you can crack some codes in regards to their company culture, their scheduling or direct extensions or just. One of the coolest things that ever happened to me is when I used to get transferred around a company before I found the right person. Mm -hmm. I would always put the names down. And when I got the right person, I would give them the list of all those that you know, whispered me down the lane and got me there. It just, but once in a while, there'd be some really colorful character in the mailroom, the accounting department or somewhere I got transferred and we connected. And when I mentioned that to the decision maker prior to even introducing myself, that this individual was incredible. And Susan is like the funniest person in the world. I probably batted a thousand on that. Instead of saying, who is this? Or is this a sales call? People were like, oh yeah, Sally's my daughter. No, she's been with us for 20 years. Greatest employee we got. And so I've reduced defense from like a 10 to a two. And I've adjusted that mass from a two to a 10 in regards to my momentum. And I did it in a normal way. I just thanked somebody and appreciated somebody. And it allowed me to at least present myself and gave me a fighting chance. I didn't say I closed every deal. Sometimes there's contractual price or other sort of obstacles, but the greatest thing is to Chuck Wepner is to go the full distance against Ali. And I can live with myself if I can go all the rounds and, and, and give the best fight of my life. And so I just needed to unlock that key that most of these people come across and confront that, that gatekeeper or the individual that just takes you down. And I found certain ways to knock them out of a trance, to show them good faith through doing company name spikes and just really giving a strong first impression that's non-threatening. And even if I did have a romantic death bill and they hung up on me, I could introduce myself, company name spike, positive escalate, so I could still jump clouds. I can still take breaths. 
And it's just a way to give the agent, the salesperson, the prospector, that sort of endurance and long-term play thinking. So they don't take it personal and ruin their rhythm and start grinding, grinding those gears. And um, have I made an art of this? No, I made a career of this, but I see the art in the speech. Yeah. And somebody needs to incorporate that when they yeah. make every phone call, do it with sincere passion. And if they do, and as I mentioned earlier, we have a luxury trade and, and that's a nice thing. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, in, uh, in my, uh, my sideline, if, uh, if, uh, um, <laughs> if I may say that, uh, that podcasting has become the big thing in my life, my sideline is, uh, yeah. um, is leadership guidance. And, uh, um, you know, so we, we've talked about it before and in the way I teach one of the first thing, if not the first thing that I teach people is to be humble remember those names that you come that you uh, that you come past as you get transferred through and that's one of the things i right. really like about you is that you've you've create you've used this not as a it's not a uh, you know like many people think it's not a bad thing it's not a, a weakness but a strength and uh, um you know by remembering these names you've gotten past so many doors and uh, um you know, uh, um, was it the story that uh, there's a story that goes that uh, um, that uh, Richard Branson, when he uh, after he bought a, a hotel, uh, a luxury hotel in England somewhere, um, he uh, spent time before going to see the general manager talking to the people on the floor. You know, the uh, um, you know, talking to he spent like 20 minutes talking with uh, with one of the chambermaids. And uh, the next time he went in there, she had been promoted and uh, and he remembered her name and who she was and was able to ask questions that were relevant to her about, you know, it's like, oh, how's your grandmother doing? And, and those kinds of things. And uh, it's really, you know, uh, um, an amazing tribute to you that uh, that, you know, that you're not just looking at the end result. You're looking at the people it takes to get there. And, uh, um, you know, I really, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the things that I really like about you. <laughs> well, thanks, my brother. And I know you do the same thing, but I'm, I'm not going to insult you with this question, but I need to ask it. Mm -hmm. Why are we both surprised? Shouldn't most <laughs> people, if not all, extend this sort of courtesy for people to remember somebody's name? Or at least Should. make an effort? Should, but well, don't. As I said earlier, there are people with IT and financial experience that can run circles around me, but maybe just by knowing somebody's name can get me the better agent, the better employee, the better coworker than Mr. IT, Mr. Finance that has an attitude. Right. And so maybe you and I go old school, old school. Yeah. Where I don't even need a computer to relate to you. I don't need even electricity or to log into something to connect. Right. And so by doing that, it's very fulfilling. It's, 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 it's not the sort of mask that can be taken down like the Wizard of Oz, where you get confronted or exposed one day. If you are that sort of sincere cat, it's the same thing every single day, no yeah. matter how they try to trick you. And yeah. they're the ones that get exposed for not doing the correct thing when they should. 
And, um, but you're bringing up some very, very good points today, Bill. And, and, and hopefully most people, if not all of your audience can relate to that. <laughs> I hope so. But, uh, um, but anyway, um, I don't want to keep you from your, uh, from your parties, uh, <laughs> from showing off that, uh, that fine suit. <laughs> Thanks brother. So, uh, so I'll let you get going. And uh, it's been great. Uh, the time has flown by, um, you know, as they usually do with great uh, with great shows, and uh, um, and all. And I I hope to have you on again uh, very soon. Um, you know. So, uh, but but as great seeing you too. As I always ask before uh, before closing, do you have any final words mm -hmm. for the nice people? I always have a nice final word for everybody. Um... I always end with not being hard on oneself, mm. especially around the holidays, these new year resolutions, <laughs> times where either you're invited from a party or excluded from an event. You, you, you gotta not put all the eggs in that sort of mental basket. This is a time of not even reflection. It's just is, it's the end of and the beginning of. And so just transition to that in a healthy way. Okay. Don't, don't let this month, this week, this day constitute your entire year. And I know there's a lot of flashing lights and bells and whistles and uh, Hallmark movies, Home Alone, which is my favorite, <laughs> you know, and all these <laughs> other stuff to watch and to eat and to experience and, and try to do as much as you want to. If you like gingerbread cookies, then eat those. But it doesn't mean that you need to have a mistletoe. And don't compare yourself to anybody else during the holidays. I always felt that the best presents, and you're going to maybe question me on this, but it's those handwritten cards, even as a child or as an adult, when grandma used to write to you in cursive and really write out something compared to what the company writes to you or the child that draws something on the outside or someone that just makes something for you like the sweater. As much as you laugh at it and it might not fit in one side's longer than another, that's priceless. And that means more than anything. And so maybe this season, do something that people may not expect or potentially would realize that your effort's worth more than the $99 that you spent on something. That's and um, that's all. I've, I've seen some very nice gestures this mm -hmm. month that did I expect? No, but it was very appreciated. And I, it just makes my relationship with these people at a different level because they were thinking of me at a certain time. And, um, and that's a wonderful thing just to try to think in a positive way of those that are around or, or even strangers during that time, just to pay a compliment forward. And, um, maybe that's just my advice on ending the year. So you can jump a cloud into 2024 and just start strong. Sounds like a, a great uh, a great way to jump into uh, into the new year, but uh, yeah the yeah sometimes I miss the uh, I miss the old uh, old ways. There was a a lady um, back when I was living in in Southern California who had gone to uh, the family church uh, with me, and she handmade these cards greeting cards for just about any occasion you could imagine. Um, that she would make to give to people. 
And these were these weren't just you know I mean yes there was there was a handwritten note inside, but uh, um, but they were like three dimensional inside and uh, and these little cutouts and and uh, and just they they jumped out at you and uh, um, you know it was it was just such a beautiful yeah. thing and uh, and a rare thing. But uh, um, and this yeah. was how many years ago that you're mentioning now on your amazing oh, podcast? Wow. How many decades ago was this? She actually, she, uh, this would have been within the last couple of years that, uh, oh, that she okay. was still well, doing there this. You go. This is well, very recent. All the cars that you've seen your whole life. Yeah. Think about it like this. <laughs> Out of all the cars that my good friend Bill's received through the years, he's mentioning <laughs> this one on his awesome podcast. And so definitely this one made the most impression. Yes. Yes. A personal touch is definitely, the effort is, is worth everything. So with that, uh, gentle, uh, gentle listeners and viewers, um, I uh, remind you to stay safe out there. Remember to wash your hands and stay tuned for the ending credits. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Bald Spots Productions. I'd like to thank our producer, my beloved mother, Eileen Hatch. I, of course, am your humble host. I'd also like to thank my special guest and friend of the show, Richard Blank, a communication expert, CEO of Costa Rica's call center, pinball wizard, and all-around great guy. Support the show if you feel so led over on Patreon.com. We're known as Bald Spots Pro. Don't you dare miss YWL Online. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever fine podcasts are offered. Be sure to tune in next time when my special guests will be... Braca Getz, Harvard-educated author of 42 children's books and one grown-up book. And Andrew Fitzgerald, global beverage sales expert and author of How Did I Get Here? Traveling the Road to Resilience. Be sure to like, comment, and share. You know, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you've got to do to kick that algorithm into gear and help us reach more people. If you or someone you know need support now, call or text 988 or chat 988lifeline.org. That is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline here in the United States.